This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. My parents had warned me to never pick up hitchhikers. It was like the older version of their warning, never talk to strangers. But telling me not to do something was like a dare, and I could never turn down a dare. I'm not saying that I had the best judgment at 16, no, I had terrible judgment. I was completely reckless and had that ignorant feeling of invincibility that most teenagers have. I had never picked up a hitchhiker, and wouldn't you know it, the first time I did, it was late at night and the road seemed to be empty, except for me and this mysterious stranger. My judgment is better these days and I might actually be invincible now. But I no longer drive down the roads alone at night or pick up hitchhikers. Instead, I stand on the side of the road every night when the moon is high and the hour is late, waiting for someone to have pity on me like I did him. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing ghost rides, the ever-popular and evolving urban legends based on hitchhiking horror stories. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror, you can listen to a new episode every week as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. 
The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. You can now find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. The rain had started in the afternoon while Lydia Jackson was still working. She couldn't see the rain from inside the factory, but she could feel it, and it seemed to make the tobacco smell in the air stronger somehow. She had been working at Duke & Sons Tobacco Company for the last several months. She hadn't needed the money, but when Johnny was drafted just weeks after their wedding, she needed something to take her mind off of the empty house and the loneliness that had set in. The war lasted four years, and though that wasn't long in history, it felt like a lifetime to Lydia. It had been four very hard years. Her father, James Robertson, had passed away, leaving her mother, Janice, alone in a home that began to fall apart around her. That last year, right before her father's passing, Lydia had lost contact with Johnny after his last letter from France in September 1918. She had received a letter every week since the war started, and then suddenly, they just stopped. She knew what this could mean, and even though she wanted to deny it, Lydia was a realistic young woman and lived her life according to the way her parents had taught her, responsibly. Her worst fears were confirmed when a month later, a messenger boy knocked on her door and delivered a telegraph. That was the day she officially became a widow. When Lydia's father died and the war ended, she knew her mother needed her and honestly, Lydia didn't want to be alone either. She sold the tiny one-bedroom house her and Johnny had bought together before he left and moved in with her mother. Working at the cigar factory and looking out for her mother became her whole world. She was too brokenhearted with the loss of the only two men in her life so close together. But while Lydia was going through all of this, her pain was not lost on her mother. The next two years, Lydia spent working and worrying over her mother, while Janice focused on taking care of Lydia. The two widows, mother and daughter, became closer than ever, forging new bonds in grief and loss. D, you're too young to be spending every minute with your mother. You still have your looks. The war's over. There are plenty of men out there. You could find a good one to take care of you, Lydia's friend Nettie said from across the cigar rolling table. Maybe so, but then who would take care of mom? Lydia replied matter-of-factly, her eyes focused on the rolling machine in front of her. You know what? I heard old Burns, the foreman, telling one of the delivery guys that in the next year or so, the company may be installing an engine-operated rolling machine it could put us out of our jobs. This was Lydia's attempt to change the subject, and it worked for now. She listened to Nettie go on for the next hour about how someday machines would do everything, and there wouldn't be any jobs left to have. That was enough conversation to finish off the rest of their shift. And Lydia thought that was the end of the dating talk. 
but she would find out later that evening that she was wrong. A streak of lightning lit up the floor in her mother's kitchen as they sat at the table that evening. A low rumble of thunder followed seconds later, warning of the impending storm. How was work today? Janice asked softly as she laid her spoon next to her empty bowl. Uneventful. I met my quota, and then some. I heard them discussing the new machines again. Lydia replied with a roll of her eyes. I hate change. It never seems to be good. Speaking of change, Janice began, you should try to get out of this old house sometime other than work. You're too young to be spending all your free time with me. Mom, I'm 30 years old. That isn't young, Lydia argued. Besides, I like spending my time with you. She smiled across the table at her mother. Janice's heart felt like it could burst from the love of her only child, but she wasn't selfish enough to revel in it. She wanted Lydia to be happy. She needed a husband and a family of her own, and she felt like she was robbing her of that. Not to mention, a couple of grandchildren running through the halls could bring life back to the big empty house they shared together. Lydia had stood and began to clear the table when a knock at the front door made her jump. Who in the world could that be? Janice asked as she began to rise from her chair. Don't worry, Mom, I'll get it, Lydia said, placing the dishes in her hands on the counter. Then running her hands down the front of her dress to straighten the wrinkles, Lydia headed toward the foyer to see who was at the door. She was surprised to find Nettie standing there. Her navy peacoat speckled with the first raindrops of the evening. My lord, Nettie, what are you doing out in this weather? Come in before you catch cold. Lydia exclaimed when she saw her friend standing there, the wind tugging at the curls in her bobbed hair. <laughs> Lydia, I swear, you sound like your mother. Nettie laughed as she quickly stepped past the screen door Lydia was holding open. As she closed the door behind Nettie, she caught sight of a shiny black car at the edge of the yard. Who's that? She asked curiously. Simultaneously catching sight for the first time of what Lydia was wearing. That is our dates for the evening, Nettie stated, daring Lydia to argue. Lydia's cheeks flushed red as she noticed what Nettie was wearing. A gorgeous blue fringed dress that clung to her figure. She quickly put two and two together. Oh no, you didn't, Lydia started to argue. Yes, oh yes I did. You need to get out of here and live a little. I agree. Janice's voice caught Lydia by surprise, causing her to jump. I talked to Nettie a few days ago. We both think it's time for you to get out of this house for a bit. What? You're in on this? Lydia was in shock. She was being set up by her mom and her best friend. She suddenly felt trapped, bamboozled. But she knew their intentions were the best. She guessed it wouldn't hurt to humor them for one evening. Come on, we don't have much time, Nettie ordered as she grabbed Lydia's shoulders from behind and began to push her toward the stairs. But I don't have anything to wear, Lydia tried to protest. I took care of that. Nettie nodded to the bag that was hanging on her shoulder. Now get up those stairs. The two young women left Janice at the bottom of the stairs giggling. 
Once they had disappeared from sight, she walked to the window overlooking the front yard and pulled back the curtain. The rain was coming down heavier now, causing the streetlight to glisten on top of the black car. I hope I'm doing the right thing, Janice thought to herself. All she wanted was Lydia's happiness. But looking at that black motored beast in the driveway caused a sense of dread that turned her stomach. She thought she was just being selfish, so she pushed the feeling aside. Upstairs, Nettie pushed Lydia into the chair in front of the dressing table in her bedroom and then laid the large bag covered in tiny beads on her bed. She opened the clasp and reached in, pulling out a beautiful white dress covered in clusters of crystals. Lydia gasped at the sight of the gorgeous but showy dress. I, I can't wear that. She began to blush again. Quit saying I can't. My mama always says can't never could do nothing. Nettie giggled at her own words. I still have no idea what that means. In less than 20 minutes, Nettie had Lydia decked out in the pretty flapper dress that complemented her petite figure. She had pulled out matching shoes and a feathered headpiece to match, a few bobby pins, some blue eyeshadow, and red lipstick later. Lydia was a sight to behold. Nettie spun her around in front of the mirror and let out a whistle. You're going to stop the men dead in their tracks. Lydia couldn't decide which emotion was stronger, the terror she felt for the evening she was about to embark on, or the excitement that was beginning to build within her. Janice was waiting for them when they came downstairs. She was holding Lydia's coat. Now, you go and have a good time. Don't come home too early. And remember, I love you. She wrapped the jacket around Lydia's shoulders, followed them to the door, and watched as they made their way quickly through the rain to the waiting car. As they pulled away, Janice watched the car leave before heading to the kitchen, where she was drawn to the calendar on the wall. June 20th, 1920. For some reason, she felt she needed to remember this day. She couldn't shake the feeling that tonight would change everything. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hitchhiking naturally involves an element of trust and vulnerability. When a driver picks up a hitchhiker, 
they are inviting a stranger into their personal space, and this vulnerability sets the stage for tension and fear. Hitchhiking often takes place in remote or isolated locations, such as desolate highways or quiet country roads. This isolation contributes to the sense of helplessness and intensifies the fear of the unknown. The unpredictability of hitchhiking encounters adds to the suspense. Both the driver and the hitchhiker are unsure about each other's intentions, creating an atmosphere of tension and unease. Hitchhiker stories often involve mysterious or supernatural elements, such as vanishing passengers, ghostly appearances, or unexplained events. The unknown aspects of these encounters contribute to a sense of horror and suspense. The idea of hitchhikers is a common theme in stories that people tell each other. These stories are well known, and it can fit into various cultures, which is why you hear it a lot. The open road symbolizes freedom, but it can also represent a journey into the unknown. The vast open spaces of highways and countryside provide a canvas for storytelling that incorporates the fear of the unknown. Hitchhiker stories often play on psychological fears and the idea that appearances can be deceiving. The hitchhiker can initially seem harmless or friendly only to reveal a darker or supernatural nature as the story unfolds. The best way to understand the overall fascination with these stories is to share some of the more well-known hitchhiker stories with you. Hold on tight while we thumb our way through a few of these stories. The Late Night Ride is a classic urban legend that has various versions, but generally follows a similar plot. Here's one rendition of the story. Late one night, a man is driving alone down a dark and deserted road. The only illumination comes from his car's headlight, cutting through the thick darkness. As he travels further, he notices a lone figure standing on the side of the road, thumb outstretched. Feeling a sense of compassion, the man decides to pull over and offer the stranger a ride. The hitchhiker, a mysterious-looking person with a hood pulled low over their face, gets into the back seat without saying a word. The driver, trying to engage in conversation, asks where the hitchhiker is headed, but the passenger remains silent. As they continue down the desolate road, the driver becomes increasingly uneasy. The silence is unsettling, and he begins to regret his decision to pick up a stranger in the dead of night. To break the tension, he glances at the rearview mirror, only to find that the back seat is now empty. Startled and confused, the driver quickly looks around, but sees no sign of the hitchhiker. Bewildered, he continues driving, trying to make sense of what just happened. Eventually, he arrives at a small town and decides to stop at a diner to collect his thoughts. Entering the diner, he recounts the strange encounter to the waitress. She listens intently and then calmly says, You're not the first person to pick up that hitchhiker. He's a ghost who appears on this road every so often. Legend has it that he was killed in a car accident years ago while hitchhiking home late at night. Ever since, he's been trying to find someone to give him a ride to complete his journey. Shivers ran down the driver's spine as he realizes he had just given a lift to a spirit 
on its eternal quest for a ride home. The late night ride becomes a chilling tale, warning others about the ghostly hitchhiker who still roams the lonely roads, seeking a way to reach his destination. The story of the friendly hitchhiker is a classic urban legend that often involves an unexpected and eerie encounter. Here's a rendition of the tale. Late one night, a weary traveler is driving down a deserted highway. The road stretches on endlessly, and the darkness outside is only illuminated by the headlights of the car. As the traveler continues the journey, they notice a figure on the side of the road. Feeling a sense of compassion and seeing no harm in helping, the driver decides to pick up the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker is described as friendly and grateful, expressing sincere thanks for the ride. They engage in light conversation, sharing stories and laughter as the miles pass by. As the car approaches the hitchhiker's destination, they express their gratitude once again and ask to be dropped off at a specific location. The driver obliges and pulls up to the place that the hitchhiker has requested. It's only when the driver looks in the rearview mirror that they realize something chilling. The seat where the friendly hitchhiker had been sitting is now empty. Shocked and confused, the driver glances back at the road ahead and looks behind the car through the mirrors. The hitchhiker is nowhere in sight. Suddenly the driver discovers that the destination he has parked in front of is a cemetery. With a shiver down their spine, they realize that they've just given a ride to a ghostly hitchhiker, someone from the other side seeking a brief respite from their eternal journey. The Phantom Bus Stop is a classic urban legend that often unfolds as a mysterious and unsettling encounter for those who experience it. Here's a version of that story. Late at night, a weary traveler finds themselves driving along a quiet and dimly lit road. The surroundings are desolate, with only the occasional flickering streetlight breaking the darkness. As the traveler continues on the seemingly endless road, they notice a bus stop up ahead. Curious about the presence of a bus stop in such a remote location, the driver slows down and stops by the curb. To their surprise, there's a solitary figure standing at the bus stop, seemingly waiting for a ride. The traveler, feeling a sense of empathy, decides to offer a lift to the person. The passenger is dressed in old-fashioned clothing, and their demeanor is quiet and solemn. The driver tries to engage in conversation, but the responses are minimal and vague. Despite the eerie atmosphere, the driver continues on the journey, keeping an eye on the mysterious passenger through the rearview mirror. After a while, the traveler realizes that they haven't seen any signs of civilization or other vehicles on the road. Confused, they decide to ask the passenger about the destination. The response is cryptic, and the passenger points to a location that seems to be in the middle of nowhere. Growing uneasy, the driver decides to stop and let the passenger out. As they pull over, they look back to say goodbye, only to find that the passenger has vanished into thin air. Bewildered and spooked, the traveler is left alone on the dark road. Later the driver learns that the bus stop they encountered is known as the Phantom Bus Stop, a mysterious place where spectral passengers appear. 
waiting for a ride to a destination that defies explanation. The Hitchhiker's Warning is a classic urban legend that often serves as a cautionary tale. Here's a version of that story. Late one night, a weary traveler is driving along a remote and desolate stretch of road. The surroundings are shrouded in darkness, and the only company is the hum of the engine and the rhythmic patter of rain on the car roof. As the driver navigates the winding road, they notice a lone figure standing by the side of the highway, thumb outstretched. Feeling a sense of sympathy and thinking about the stormy weather, the driver decides to pull over and offer a ride to the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker, a person of indeterminate age and dressed in tattered clothing, expresses gratitude for the kind gesture. The driver senses a somber aura about the hitchhiker, but brushes it off as weariness. During the journey, the hitchhiker remains mostly silent. However, as they approach a specific location, the atmosphere in the car becomes tense. The hitchhiker turns to the driver and with a grave expression, delivers a cryptic warning about a forthcoming event or danger. The warning is often specific or chilling. Startled, the driver questions the hitchhiker for more information, but the responses are vague, leaving an air of mystery. As the car reaches the destination or a significant point along the journey, the hitchhiker abruptly asks to be let out. The driver complies, and the hitchhiker disappears into the night. Shaken by the encounter, the driver continues on their way. In the days that follow, the warning provided by the hitchhiker starts to make sense as a series of events unfolds, aligning with the eerie prophecy. The driver realizes that the mysterious hitchhiker may have been a harbinger of impending danger, offering a forewarning that, if heeded, could have averted a grim fate. Today's story is based on a true story that some know as the Vanishing Hitchhiker, but it may be more familiar as Lydia's Bridge Ghost. Lydia's story is true. Her tragedy was real, and there are a lot of people who believe that her ghost is real as well. In the quiet town near High Point and Jamestown, North Carolina, a bridge holds a secret that has haunted the community for over 70 years, the ghostly presence of a young woman named Lydia. The legends speak of her spectral figure appearing on rainy and foggy nights, standing alone or walking along the road, desperately searching for help to find her way home. The tale traced its roots back to a tragic event that unfolded many decades ago. The heart of the story has changed many times throughout the years, but investigators along with potential family members believe they have traced the story back to the real Lydia, a.k.a. Annie L. Jackson. If you want to see the original newspaper article, you will find it posted on my Twitter account following this episode. So if these ghostly tales don't scare you away from hitchhiking or picking up strangers, then nothing probably will. But remember, there are many dangers out there on the dark, eerie roads at night, and any one of them may be waiting to make you their next victim. The back seat of Seth's RAV4 was packed with everything he owned, 
or at least everything he had packed into his college dorm room the past four years. He knew this wouldn't be his last move, but he was hoping it would be the last for a while. It was the day after his graduation, and one week after the end of the winter term. So the campus was practically abandoned by the time he pulled out of the parking lot. Exhausted by his last month, fraught with a busy schedule from final exams to farewell parties and graduation itself, he longed for the familiar comforts of home. He hadn't decided which direction he would take his new degree, even though he already had several offers lined up. He could take a job in Raleigh at a veterinary pharmaceutical company that offered great pay, or he could intern at at least three other veterinary clinics that had offered him positions as well. Then there was the option his dad had always dreamed of. He could go home and intern for him, eventually become a partner and someday take over his dad's clinic. He was working all of this over in his mind as he headed his car up the road, away from NCSU, and headed it north to his hometown of Greensboro. He kept coming back to the fact that it would be much more convenient to work with his dad, not to mention it would put him back in Greensboro, close to his high school sweetheart, that he might have kept tabs on over the years. Lightning spiderwebbed across the northern sky as he drove down the highway. It looked like the trip was going to take a soggy turn before too long. It was a good thing he had gotten the defogger fixed on the Toyota. The drive from Charlotte to Greensboro was normally less than an hour and a half, but the coming rain would probably make it a little longer. To pass the time, Seth turned on the radio and plugged his phone into the USB. A good podcast or some music was just what he needed to take his mind off the clock. Thumbing through his Spotify playlist, he found one of his favorites, the Wild West Extravaganza. There was nothing like listening to the history of the Wild West, and this guy had an amazing way of telling the stories. He didn't know if he was driving into the storm or if it was coming at him, but either way it was less than half an hour before it was upon him, sending sheets of rain crashing onto the windshield and across the highway until it was almost impossible to see a car's length ahead. Carefully, Seth pulled over to the side of the road to wait for the rain to let up. He sat there for about five minutes, listening to an episode about Billy the Kid. When the rain started to slow, it seemed darker than it had before the heavy rain had hit, so he turned on the headlights. The rain had been replaced by a heavy mist, and the sun seemed to have disappeared at some point during the whole event. Checking the road behind him to see if the coast was clear before taking off, Seth was shocked when he looked ahead again. Less than 20 yards ahead of him was an underpass. He recognized it immediately, but the shock was that he thought it should have still been at least 30 minutes away. But here it was right in front of him. Putting the car into drive, Seth began to ease onto the road when a loud knocking sound came from the passenger's side, scaring the bejesus out of him, causing him to curse out loud. He put his foot on the brake, not about to open the window. He hit the lock button to make sure the passenger side was locked, even though it locked automatically once in drive. He could barely make out a figure through the rain-drenched foggy window, but he could tell that it was a woman. Not that a stranger being female automatically meant it was safe, especially not these days when anyone can be a psycho. He checked his mirrors and turned to look behind and around the car. She appeared to be alone and he couldn't in good conscience just ignore a possibly stranded or injured female. So, 
keeping his foot on the brake but ready to hit the gas, he slowly rolled the window halfway down. It was definitely a woman. She looked pale and cold. Excuse me, mister. I'm sorry to bother you, but do you think you could give me a ride? I need to get home. I'm sure my mother is worried sick. Seth knew it was dangerous to pick up strangers, but she looked so pathetic. Petite, soaked, and shivering. He couldn't find it in his heart to say no. Where are you headed? He asked, trying not to sound nervous. Jamestown area, High Point to be exact. She replied, her voice quavering a little. She seemed more nervous than he was, which made him feel somewhat better. Hop in, that's not too far from where I'm headed, Seth answered as he reached over and removed a water bottle and a candy wrapper from the passenger seat. As the young woman climbed in, Seth couldn't help but notice the strange way she was dressed. You headed home from a costume party? He asked with a chuckle. But when she gave him a confused look, he realized his question might have been a little rude. 33 Woodrow Avenue, she said straight to the point. Seth's only reply was, yes ma'am. He didn't want to stare or to be too bold, as he might come across as a creep. So he typed the address into the GPS on his phone and focused on getting her home. The heater in the car was working fine, but he could tell that she was shivering, so he offered her the jacket that was laying across the back seat. Here, you can use this if you like, he said as he reached for the jacket and offered it to her. Thank you, she practically whispered as she grabbed the jacket and draped it around her shoulders. The rest of the ride was made in complete silence as she stared out the window and Seth tried not to look at her too much. There was something a little creepy about her. He just wanted to get her home and out of his car. He pulled the car up into the drive of 33 Woodrow in record time. She opened the door and slipped out, turning long enough to say thank you one more time. Seth watched her walk to the front door, but backed out before seeing her go inside. He shook his head, not sure what to make of the woman, but glad she was gone. Another half hour of driving, another half hour of driving, and he finally pulled into the driveway of his parents' home. He reached into the back seat to grab his jacket, after parking the car, and remembered he had loaned it to the young woman earlier. He let out another curse. That was his school jacket. It was special. He kind of wanted to save it. He shrugged. It was getting late. He could drive back to High Point and get the jacket tomorrow. Seth left everything else in the car, ready to shake the wear from the road off and relax. He went inside and forgot about the woman and his jacket until the next morning. The comfort of home caused Seth to sleep late, but the smell of his mother's cooking woke him. After a nice breakfast, he headed back to High Point to get his jacket. He parked his car in the same place he had let the woman out the night before and walked to the door. For some reason, he had expected the woman to answer, but instead it was another much older woman. Hi, I'm Seth. I gave your daughter a ride home last night. The woman looked at him strangely. I don't have a daughter. I have two sons. You must be mistaken she replied. No, ma'am. I'm sure this is the house. It's still in my GPS, Seth insisted. 
Her face brightened for a moment, and she invited him inside. I think I know who may have your jacket. My son's girlfriend was over here yesterday. Wait right here. As she turned to head down the hallway, Seth caught sight of a picture on the wall. It was a picture of the same girl from the night before. Is that your son's girlfriend? He asked the woman, causing her to stop and turn around. She looked at the picture and then looked at Seth. That picture is older than I am. That is one of my mother's cousins. When my mother inherited the house from her aunt, she told her she had one condition. She had to leave that picture there. That's my great-great-aunt's daughter. She died in a car crash back in the 20s. A shiver ran down Seth's spine and goosebumps covered his skin. He looked closer at the picture. I could have sworn that was her. It looks just like her. Do you know where the car crash took place? He asked. Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. It happened at the underpass of the Jamestown Bridge. It's kind of a legend. Hey, maybe you're one of the lucky ones that got to meet her ghost. Her name is Lydia, by the way. Lydia Jackson. Seth was freaked out. Not really scared, just very freaked out. Could he have really given a ride to a ghost? The woman chuckled at the look on his face. You know, she's buried at the cemetery down by the old church if you don't believe me. Seth nodded, mumbled a quick thank you, and left. As he pulled out of the driveway, the jacket forgotten, he fully intended to head back home to Greensboro, but he found himself headed towards the center of High Point instead, in search of the cemetery. He had to see it for himself. The ground was still wet from the night's rain, and it gave way beneath his feet as he walked across the cemetery, causing images of what lay beneath the ground to run through his already spooked mind. The cemetery was large, and he realized he hadn't thought of how long it may take to find her grave. But then he saw something move. In the back corner, on an aged headstone, something glared in the reflection of the sun. Seth followed it, weaving through the other graves until he reached the source of the glare. And right there he froze in his tracks, astounded by what he saw. Laying on top of the headstone was his navy blue skull jacket with silver and white lettering. The silver had caught the sun's rays. He picked the jacket up and laid it across his arm. Then he read the headstone. Annie L. Jackson Born July 8, 1890. Died June 20th, 1920. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. 
Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.